0: hello everybody and just making sure that i am right on how months work it is the final week of february which means we have to finish this book this time around we're on chapter 15 page 133 out of 200 283 pages this may be an aggressively long episode maybe a two-parter I might do two episodes in one day. How astonishing. How incredible. How unexpected. Anyway, because we have a lot to get through, we're getting right into it. Chapter 15. There was no doubt about it. Abby had changed, and not for the better. I hadn't noticed it right away, but looking back, I realized she had been acting weird for several weeks. And the way- Jesus, I almost- My apologies- And the way she took the news about me being the heartbreak messenger clinched it. The old Abby wouldn't have gotten upset about it. She would have rolled her eyes and called me a tweed or something. The new Abby was a whole different story. She'd apparently crossed over to the dark side. What? Since when is the dark side basically knowing about human decency and the fact that more than just one person in a situation has feelings? And from what I could tell, that was all Justin Master fr- fault. Wh- what? Not only was he a complete moron, but now he was costing me a best friend. He was really starting to annoy me. Once Abby found out about my business venture, she practically gave Rob and I the silent treatment. Like, as she should, though. I quickly realized how much harder my math and science homework were without her around, and I had plenty of time to struggle through it on my own, because it had been almost two weeks since my last messenger job. The first of the month was was approaching, and Mom was probably starting to freak out about where the rent money would come from. I still heard heartbreak messenger talk here and there, and Marcus assured me he was... He was working up a few customers, but I started to wonder if that was the end of it. There were other business strategies I hadn't tried yet. Approaching potential customers in the high school locker rooms, handing out flyers at football games, setting up a website. But But for the most part, my secret identity was still intact, and I wanted to hold on to that for as long as I could. I was seriously considering putting up a few anonymous posters. Just a reminder that the heartbreak messenger was out there when my next client found me. Rob and I were on our bikes heading for Lincoln Hill Park, a grassy area hidden above the neighborhoods on the west side of town. We had an assignment for our physical science class to watch the night skies. We were almost there when Rob shouted from behind me, By the way, Marcus asked me to tell you something. What? I yelled over my shoulder. He said that he sent someone your way. I squeezed the brakes and Rob zipped past me. We were entering the parking lot next to the park, so I slowed off my bike as Rob waited for me to catch up with him. Is that all he said? I asked. Yep. Was it that? What is that? Some sort of messenger code or something? If it is, then he forgot to give me the code book. I mean, he didn't say who or where to meet them or anything? Nope. He did say you should get a cell phone. That's helpful. Hey, don't look at me. I'm just the messenger here. Speaking of that, you gave me a sidelong glance. You know, if you ever needed help with the messenger thing, I'd be happy to pitch in. I've been trying to find ways to make money, but I haven't had much luck so far. When I told my mom, she gave me a bucket of walnuts she bought at the farmer's market and said she'd give me five bucks if I cracked them all. Five bucks? Can you believe it? It'll take me weeks to get through that bucket. (sighs) Sorry, messages. Um... Where was I? Uh here we are. We pushed our bikes toward the paved trail that headed up the hill to the park. There were a dozen other kids hanging around the trail ahead of us. An older man glared at them as he came down the trail with his dog on a leash. A group of high school football players trotted past us up the hill, their counting chat of one, two, three, four, keeping them keeping time with their heavy footfalls. Just before we came to the trailhead, I noticed a guy leaning on a motorcycle beneath a lamppost at the far end of the parking lot. He wore a long black leather jacket over a white t-shirt. And, even though it was already getting dark, he sported a pair of expensive sunglasses. But despite the shades, I could tell he was staring right at me. As I looked his way, he nodded in my direction, a tiny movement that made my palms sweat. Hey, Quentin, let's go. Most of the good spots are probably taken already. I barely heard Rob. The sky in the the leather jacket was smooth, the way he stood, the way he moved, the way he held his head so that his hair just barely fell in front of his eyes. He was like the lone gunslinger without a past that strides into town and who everyone, everybody stares at and thinks he's smooth. But I knew the sky was different. He did have a past, one he wanted to be done with. My money-making senses were tingling. He was looking for me. Hey, Rob, I said, did Marcus know we were coming here tonight? Yeah, I asked him yesterday if he could give me a ride. He said he'd give me a ride if I gave him my room. Why don't you go on without me? What? Why? It's nothing. I'll be there in a few minutes. He followed my gaze to the cool character beneath the lamppost. Sweet bike. What? Sorry, (laughs) another message. Oh my god. Uh... Sweet bike. I've seen that motorcycle parked in the high school lot. Who is that? The guy I need to talk to, I think. Oh, that. Messenger stuff. Hey, let me come with you. What? Why? Rob shrugged. I don't know. I'm curious. What do you say and what do they say? What do you say and what do they say and all that? Rob, this is official business. He's waiting for a seventh grader in an empty parking lot. How official could it be? My clients want their privacy it's part of why they come to me please just this once i couldn't exactly tell him this kind of work required the ability to keep your mouth shut not a chance rob i'll catch you in a few minutes rob grabbed my arm and dropped his voice hey how do you know he's a customer how do you know he's not just waiting for everyone to clear so he can jump you all my money is at home in my sock drawer so he's going to be disappointed Well, maybe he's some girl's older brother, here to beat you to a bloody pulp for a message you delivered. Come on, Rob, just let me go. Fine. He scowled at me and gripped his handlebars hard. But if I hear you screaming like a little girl in a few minutes, I'm not going to come running back to save your butt, just so you know. He pushed off with his bike and headed up the trail. I turned and headed for another 25 bucks. At least, I thought I was. Rob's comment about the guy being some girl's older brother had shaken me just a bit. I mean, would Marcus really have told someone that they could find me marching up the trail to Lincoln Hill Park? I took a few deep breaths. The guy didn't move as I approached, except to turn his head for a second to spit. He was tall with wide shoulders, probably a high school senior. I stopped at what I figured was a safe distance in front of him and lowered the kickstand on my bike. I glanced behind me, hoping to find a few stragglers still passing through the parking lot, but the last person inside was just cresting the top of the hill. I swallowed back the nervous lump in my throat. You looking for me? I asked the stranger. He smiled a tight, wicked smile. You got quite a gig going on here, sly. What do you mean? I hear you're the little genius that's charging people to break up with their girlfriends. I deliver messages, that's all. He held up his hands. I'm cool with that, man. I'm all good. I'm all about good communication. But I'm cu- but I'm a little curious, Sly. what do you do with all those tears? Tears? Yeah. Don't the ladies cry when you communicate with them? I folded my arms thinking about goat girl and the cry fest she'd had. Yeah, sometimes my messages aren't exactly happy ones. He shook his head. Man, you must have a heart of stone. That made me blink. A heart of stone? I was just the messenger. The guy sighed. Not me, man. Not me. I have an eye for the ladies and they have an eye for me. He removed his sunglasses and gestured toward himself. But really, can you blame them? This guy's nuts, I thought. But at least he's not going to mug me. So is there anything I can do for you? It's getting late. The wicked smile leaped back to his face. Now that you mention it, I could use your help. In fact, I should tell you up front that I might become that I could become one of your best customers. You might say I kind of have re- have relationship ADHD. I had no idea what he meant, but I knew I could use a best customer. At the moment, I'm interested in well, doing some house cleaning, simplifying, downsizing, starting over. You could say, "What's her name?" I asked, reaching for my pocket. By now, I carried a pen and note cards with me just about everywhere I went. Janine. Okay, where can I find her? Motorcycle guy placed his sunglasses slowly back on his face. Well, now, she's just the first one. I stopped trying to figure out how to spell Janine and looked up. First one? Even behind his sunglasses, he looked like a kid that just got caught with both hands in the cookie jar... Told you. Relationship ADHD. It's so hard to stay focused sometimes. So, are you telling me you have more than one girlfriend to break up with? Elizabeth. She goes by Lizzie. I scribbled down the name. Okay, and where can I find these two? And Bethany. Oh, can't forget Bethany. But I'm gonna try real hard. Three girlfriends? At the same time? Where did this guy think he was, the African Pride Lands? You got it, Sly. Now go free me up so I can rest a while before setting my eyes on the next conquest. I assume the girls don't know about each other. The guy shifted his weight off the motorcycle and leaned toward me. I resisted the urge to step back. No, they don't. And you're not going to tell them, right? Of course not. Swear it to me, Sly. Swear to it, Sly. I swear I won't tell them. Motorcycle guy stared stared at me from behind his glasses. I don't believe you, he finally said. Swear on the beast. On the what? He stepped aside and gestured toward his motorcycle. Do it. Since laughing out loud didn't seem advisable, I stepped forward and put my hand on the worn black leather seat of his kawas- Kawasaki. Kawasaki? Motorcycle things. I swear I won't tell them about one another. His shoulders relaxed a little. Reaching inside his leather jacket, he pulled out a small black book. He thumbed through it, found a page near the middle, and held it in front of me. Addresses, all three of them. I scribbled them down. When I'd finished, I carefully folded the paper as though as I thought about how to approach what came next. Now, since I'm going to deliver three messages, I'll need to charge you for all three, but I can give you a good discount. Not so fast, Sly. I'm sold it, it cost me twenty five bucks to get this done, and that's what you'll get. You're asking me to track down three different girls, I spread my hands out. That's three times as much work. As I spoke spoke, the guy reached back into his jacket pocket. With a sudden flick a knife was in his hand. The street lamp above us clicked on, as if waiting for its cue. Light glinted off the exposed blade. My heart leaped into my throat. I immediately promised to take Rob's warnings more seriously. I didn't even have to swear on the beast for that one. He studied the blade for a moment, as though considering its craftsmanship in the halo of yellow light. His face looked all the more threatening with the new shadows. Then he lowered the knife and started cleaning his fingernails with the tips. Twenty-five should do it, don't you think, sly? My teeth were clenched tight with fear or anger above. I don't suppose I can interest you in flowers or chocolates? He folded the blade and slipped it into his pocket in one smooth motion. Then he swung his leg over the motorcycle. Nope. Just get the job done, sly. Be sure to tell the ladies that Gunner sent you. With a downward kick, his motorcycle roared to life. He pulled a wad of bills out of his pocket and tossed them at my feet. See you around, heartbreaker. And with a second roar, he sped off into the dusk. Right there, I decided it was okay to dislike some clients. As I picked up the money, I noticed something lying on the pavement a few feet away, small and rectangular. His black book blended into the as- into the asphalt like a secret, de- like a secret desperately wanting to stay hidden. Looking around at the empty street, I reached down and grabbed the book. The pages were crisp but full names. All girls' numbers, addresses, dates, and notes covered the pages. A detailed history of short-term relationships and other secret tidbits that Gunnar obviously thought should stay hidden. A goldmine of information that I silently slipped into my pocket with the money. I smiled to myself. My mind was spinning with ideas. I didn't know what I was going to do with Gunnar's three girlfriends, but I was sure of, but I was sure of one thing. No one pulls a knife on the heartbreak messenger. Short, char- short changes him and rides off on a motorcycle. No one. Chapter sixteen. Shortly after the echo of Gunner's kaw- kawasaki faded into the deepening night, I was tripping over seventh graders at the top of Lincoln Hill. Rob, I called out over the chit chat of a dozen conversations. Yo, Quentin! I heard him shout. I heard him shout from across the field. I found him lying on his back next to Abby, which surprised me. Hey, Abby. Hey, she said, keeping her eyes fixed on the domed sky above us. Nice of you to stop by. I'd have thought you'd bring bring Justin along. I didn't use any of my usual nicknames for bulky sweater, man, since I decided to try extra hard to get on Abby's good side again. Abby studied the ends of her hair, although she probably couldn't see much in the dark. He said he'd meet me here. I'm sure he's on his way. I lay down on my back next to them, our heads close together, our legs stretching out like spokes in a bike wheel. A gentle breeze passed through the dark night, which felt cool on my face. Seen anything yet? I asked. Nothing but stars so far, Abby said. What are we looking for again? Rob asked. The Orionids, I said. Is that a rock band or a stomach virus? He shot back. Meteors, you dope. Just keep your eyes open and count the shooting stars, I said. Rob wasn't in our physical science class, so technically he didn't need to be there. But Abby and I, along with three of Miss... After Baumbacker's periods, were supposed to be counting meteors. Our teacher had recommended Lincoln Hill Park, since it sat secluded on the west side of the town. The backside of the hill sloped away from the lights of the town, into a wooded area that eventually met up with the, with Blue Jacket Road. The hilltop was ringed with was ringed with sycamores, but opened up in the middle of the park to provide a wide view of the sky. "'Oh, I just saw a whole bunch,' Rob said. "Poking yourself in the eye doesn't count,' Abby said. "'Only real shooting stars.' "'The grass was soft and kind of tickled my ears. "'There was something mesmerizing about staring at the sky. "'After a while, it seemed like you could feel "'the whole earth spinning underneath you. "'How will I know when I see one?' Rob asked. "'It will be the only one of those bright dots up there "'that's shooting across the sky.' "'I said, "'I wonder where he is?' Abby said, "'Who?' Rob asked. The oriented? Justin. He should have been here by now. Oh, I just saw one! I said, my arm shooting upward. That statement may or may not have been true. Where? Abby said. How's this going to work? I can't watch the whole sky at the same time. We lay there in silence for a while, feeling overwhelmed as the stars seemed to multiply and grow brighter, and the slivered moon watched us from the horizon. Hey, Rob, I finally said. I think I see Cassiopeia. It's that W right there. Do you remember who she was? Someone from mythology or something. Our Cub Scout days had been brief, brief, with lots of throwing rocks into large bodies of water, but not much astronomy. Rob didn't answer. Rob? Abby laughed. He's asleep. Rob confirmed that with a soft snore. Rob McFallen, the learned astronomer. I said, well, so far he's not mitch- missing much. I scanned the sky, working hard to keep my own eyes open. My mind wandered as I thought about Gunnar on his motorcycle, the little black book in my pocket, and my ex-best friend beside me. And then suddenly I saw one. A star streaked across the sky for just an instant, like a shimmering fish through black waters, and then disappeared. But its brilliant shadow glowed in my eyes for a moment longer. I saw it! Abby shrieked. I've never seen one before. There's another! Three! Four! Five! An excited murmur ran through the through the other groups of kids, sprawled on the grass. We waited a moment, not breathing, hoping for more, and they came. We, drew, we didn't try to count. Maybe five or six at a time touched the blackness and disappeared. Then another wave, then another, skipping, streaking, skating on the sky. We didn't take a breath for a while, even after everything came to a rest and all the stars froze in place once again. We must have shifted our bodies to get a better view of the meteors, because when I finally took a breath, I realized the side of Abby's upside-down face was touching mine. She didn't pull away, and neither did I. There was something about what we had just seen in the sky, something extraordinary and unreal, something that could never be explained, only shared. And somehow, knowing that that I had shared it with Abby right there next to me, made it all the more meaningful. Wow, Abby whispered. You don't see that every day. You don't see that every day. Wow, she whispered again. We lay there for a while in silence. Her cheek warm against mine. The feeling of what had, we had just seen was fading quickly, and I tried hard to hold on to it. I wonder where they go? She finally said. Probably burn up in the atmosphere or something. How sad. It's not until the very end that they turn into something beautiful, and then they die. Kind of like a flower. Yeah, but what a way to go. We watched for more meteors, but I half hoped that no more would come. Anything else would have been would have been anticlimactic. There's so many stars out here, said Abby. I think I see Orion. Where? Right there. See those three stars? Jesus, <laughs> that voice crack. See those three stars? I think that's his belt. Cool. I didn't tell her that Orion wouldn't be in the sky until early in the morning. Where was that one you were talking about early, about before? Cassiopeia. Right there. It's shaped like a W. I think she was a queen. Queen that was full of herself, if I remember right. What about that star there? I think that was a planet, right? It's red, so it must be Mer- Mercury. No, probably Mars, I said. Red planet, named for the god of war. I thought Mercury was the god of war. No, it was Mars. I don't remember her- who Mercury was. Wait, he was the messenger for Jupiter. As soon as I said it, I knew it was a mistake. Oh, she said, did he go around breaking hearts too? And suddenly the moment, the good old days moment, was over. Let's not go there, I said. Sorry, I didn't mean to discuss anything that might remind you that you have a conscience. Hey, are you ready for that English quiz tomorrow? I asked. You're just trying to change the subject. "'Yes, but we do have a quiz tomorrow.' uh uh "'Yuh-huh.' "'Abby jumped up. "'I saw Alyssa... "'Elizabeth... "'Alyssa, Jesus, I don't know what I was doing. "'I saw Alyssa over there earlier. "'I'm going to ask her.' "'She started forward but hit her foot on Rob's leg. "'Sorry, Rob,' she said as she headed off toward another group of kids. "'What's up?' "'Rob said as he sat up with his eyes half open. "'Nothing much.' Just discussing some mythology. Hey, I noticed Justin Mastersnod didn't make it tonight. Yeah, that's a shame. Rob grinned, wide awake. I hope he didn't have bike trouble. You want to tell me how you did it? Rob laid back, back down and put his hands behind his head. I don't know what you're talking about, but I wouldn't be surprised if Justin's bike chain shows up in his mailbox tomorrow. I snorted. Classic. I can almost forgive Rob for spilling the beans to Abby. Almost. Chapter 17. Two days later, I also had sabotage on my mind. Not bike sabotage, at least not bicycle sabotage. Something different. Something that had taken a bit bit of quick but careful planning. And what is the purpose of your reservation? The librarian looked down at me over the top of her reading glasses. The public library had been... Closed the day before, so this part of my plan was a little behind schedule. I scratched my head for a moment. A group discussion on the social habits of the male African lion. It was close enough to the truth. The librarian scribbled the information into her res- reservation book. How very interesting. A biology class? Um, more like sociology. I see. Study room one is all yours at four. At four o'clock, please be sure to read the rules and leave the place, pick and span. Um, I hesitated, not sure how far to push my luck. Can I get study room two? She pursed her lips. The rooms are exactly the same. Well, I like to use even numbers whenever I can. Superstition. I smiled as though I stood up for even numbers all the time. Uh huh. She studied me for a moment and then scribbled a little more in her book. All right, then. Study room two. Just remember, two is an even number, but it's also a prime. And primes are not to be trusted. Right. Thanks. Now it was my turn to wonder if she was serious or not. Instead, I headed towards study room two with a glance at the clock. Five minutes until four. I made a few quick preparations, read the rules posted on the wall, and then ducked into the nearby gardening section... I picked a horticulture book from the shelf and opened it, holding it up close to my face. I didn't really look at the pages except for the one that showed a picture of a meat and tomato the size of a man's head. Crazy. My eyes peeked over the top of the book, focused on the study room entrance. As the clock struck four, the room was still empty. I tossed the horticulture book back onto a nearby shelf and pulled off another. Plant breeding. No color pictures. My plan was a good one, and I was determined to make it work. The encounter with Gunner had left me steaming. I didn't like threats. I hated a cheater. I wondered if he would have treated me differently if if I'd been a high schooler, but that didn't matter. I was just any kid. I was the heartbreak messenger. I inspired fear and demanded respect. Others might tremble at a tough dude with a knife, but I have powers that motorcycle guy didn't even realize existed. That is the lamest thing I've read in my life. "'Assuming anyone showed up. "'At 4.01, a girl approached the room. "'She had thick-rimmed glasses and a ponytail dangling above plain clothes. "'Pretty, but she screamed, "'Nerd.' "'She stood in the doorway and looked around like it might have been booby-trapped. "'On the whiteboard I've written, please come in and sit down.' "'She saw that, looked around one more time, and then took a seat. "'There were three envelopes in front of her on the table. "'She picked one up, looked at it briefly, and then put it down.' A minute later, another high school girl up here approached and looked into the room. She was also pretty and walked with a, boun- with a bouncing grace, but her clothes were more artsy than trendy. If she had been a junior high student, I would have said drama club. She pulled a three-by-five card out of her pocket and gestured toward pretty girl. "'Hey, can you tell me what this is about?' The other girl held up a similar card. "'I got one, too. I just arrived.' Drama Queen hesitated for a second. This better be good," she grumbled as she took a seat. The two didn't say a word to each other for three and a half minutes. Drama queen drummed her fingers. Pretty nerd pulled out a book and started reading, but looked up every five seconds. I could tell. You, I could tell they were getting antsy, and I was afraid I'd have to settle for two, t- for two, and step in before they decided to leave. But then. Number three arrived, very pretty, well-dressed, probably very popular. She didn't stop at the doorway and look around. She walked right in, held up a card, and said, who sent me this? The other two girls held up their cards, too. The popular one rolled her eyes and looked down at her own card. She said, I have information that will pro- that will profoundly affect the rest of your life. It has to do with your boyfriend. Is that what yours says, too? The other girls nodded. The popular one rolled her eyes. All right. "'Rolled her eyes again. "'All right, I'm gone.' "'Then I stepped into the room. "'I was all business, swinging the door closed behind me "'without even looking. "'Sit down,' I said to the popular one "'as I strode up to the whiteboard like I was a teacher. "'She sat, probably more out of surprise than anything. "'I uncapped a red dry erase marker "'and wrote in big, bold letters, "'I am the heartbreak messenger. "'Then I replaced the marker, "'put my hands flat down on the table, "'and looked at them. "'They stared at me.' I knew I had to be very careful, and I had sworn that I wouldn't tell Gunner's girlfriends about one another. I was going to keep that promise, and I, was, and I was going to break up with his girlfriends for him. And that was all I'd do for him. But to accomplish all that, and hopefully a little extra, I pretty much couldn't say a word. Who knows what motorcycle nightmares I might have if I broke a note on the beast. <clears throat> Drama Queen finally spoke first. Okay, so what now? You break up with people's girlfriends for them, right? So why are we here? I stared at them. Calm as the ocean, at least on the outside. So you're going to, what, tell me that my boyfriend is breaking up with me? I don't think so. The popular one said it. Come on, somebody say it. Drama Queen tossed her card toward me. You can forget that. No junior high squirt is going to make me stay longer in a library than I need to. Then Pretty Nerd spoke, quietly, with confidence. "'Did Gunner send you?' The other two girls' heads snapped so fast in the direction of the Pretty Nerd that I was surprised there weren't any spinal cord injuries. "'Bingo!' "'How do you know about Gunner?' asked the Popular One. Drama Queen slowly turned her head toward the Popular One. "'How do you know about Gunner?' The Popular One lifted her chin another another inch. "'He happens to be my boyfriend.' Your boyfriend, Dra- Drama Queen replied, halfway out of her seat. Yeah, we've kept it kind of a secret. His grandma's Jewish, and if she found out he was going out with a gentle, with a, ge- with a genteel gentile, uh, she'd die of a heart attack. Drama Queen stared at the popular one for, for a good long second before looking away. Funny, she said, deflated. He told me to keep our relationship a secret because he didn't because his dad was in prison and he didn't want to drag my name through the mud. The popular one's jaw dropped. You've been dating Gunner? How long? Drama Queen shrugged. Two months. Why that rotten the popular one suddenly found herself speechless. I was glad, since no cussing was on the list of study room rules. The two girls sat in stunned silence for a minute before turning to Pretty Nerd. So why are you here? The popular one asked. The Pretty Nerd rolled her eyes. Gunnar told me to keep our relationship secret because that would make it more exciting. I figured he was seeing someone else, but I didn't care. I liked having his attention. She snapped her book closed. Of course, I didn't think he was seeing two other girls besides me. Then the room fell silent again. I could feel the dust settling and the troops sinking in. The popular one dropped her head into her hands. Drama Queen cracked her knuckles. Pretty nurse straightened her glasses. Eventually, they all looked up at me. So that's it, Drama Queen said. He's breaking up with us all at once, dumping the whole lot and moving on to a new group of unsuspecting victims? The popular one swore. So much for rule number seven. I cleared my throat and looked meaningfully down at the table. Except for Pretty Nerd, no one had noticed the envelopes. One by one, they now reached for the envelopes in front of them and tore it open. The popular one dumped out a little black book. Drama Queen dumped out a cheap tire pressure gauge with the name Mickelson's on the side. The Pretty Nerd pulled out another three by five card. The popular one thumbed through the book. This is full of names and numbers. She flipped the, the pages, soaking it in. Samantha, Bethany, Karen, Lindsay. She broke off and looked at Drama Queen. You're Lizzie, aren't you? And I'm Bethany, the pretty nerd added. The popular one stuck a finger on a page and sh- stared. And i ja- She flipped to the front of the book and then grinned. This is Gunner's book. All the girls he's gone out with. Maybe some he hasn't yet. There's even some notes in here. Drama Queen slowly tapped the pressure gauge against the palm of her hand. You know, I think you can use this little thing to let the air out of someone's tire. I've never tried it before, but I'm sure I could learn. The popular one was flipping page by page through the little book. I can think of a few ways to make that three-timer's life a little more difficult with this. Pretty nerd brought up the index card and read, Revenge is a a dish best served cold. She blinked. That's a bit over the top, but I'm the web administrator for the student email listing. Let me know what you have in mind with that little black book, and I'm sure there's a way I can help out. The popular one smiled wickedly. Well, for starters, I'm thinking we totally hit him where it hurts. First... I knew that if I stayed any longer, I might be considered an accomplice. With their attention squarely on the popular one, I slipped along the wall and out the door. I glanced back through the window of study room two to see the, two, to see the ex-girlfriends with their heads together. A feeling of wicked triumph welled up inside me. My job there was finished. Gunner was free. And in a whole heap of trouble. Okay. So, I like it when people find a loophole. And I like that the girls didn't go against each other, which, IRL, that happens an unfair amount of time when, like, a girl finds out that her guy is cheating on her and she goes for the girl that he's cheating on her with instead of about her boyfriend. Which, like, he's the one in the wrong. Why are you going for the girl who, like, just be as, like, out of the loop as you are with your boyfriend going around with other people it. ugh, but, oh, I was like, where did you get the tire pressure gauge from, and it was like, uh, um, what the frick was I saying? <gasps> Yeah, his mom works at a at an auto at a auto shop. That's what it's called. So that's where he got the like car pressure tire gauge, whatever thingy from. Um. So I was like, did he like go out and buy it? But then I remembered where his mom works, and I was like, that's where he got it. And like, it can ruin this guy's life now. Like, shoot. Which, like, fair enough. Get into it. Chapter 18. Now there's someone just looking for trouble. At the sound of her voice, I paused mid-step and turned to come face-to-face with Abby. The sidewalk on West Oak was littered with fall leaves, and I realized it must have been deep in thought for her to get so close without me noticing. Nah, I'm just looking for a book of stamps. Stamps? Like, for mailing a letter? Abby said. She fell into pace with me as we walked, her backpack bouncing gently with each step. Do people still use those? I guess so. You know, those old-timers who still think the internet is just a fad. Mick asked me to run and get some. Where are you going? Isabel's house. A group project for Spanish. We walked together for half a block without speaking. Abby and I had never really talked about her reaction to me being the heartbreak messenger, but it had loomed over us ever since, like the Goodyear blimp. Part of me kind of wished she would bring it up so I could have a second chance to des- to defend my chosen p- profession. But the rest of me would have been happy to let her go, of the to see her let go of the whole thing altogether. Or at least pretend it didn't bother her. I glanced at her, studied the clouds, managed to find a fire hydrant fascinating, and then finally said, So, how you doing, stranger? Stranger? I see you in class every day. Yeah, but, you know... I crunched through a pile of leaves. Abby shuffled through them with several light kicks. I wanted to say that I missed having her around, that I missed the old days, that... "'So how'd you do on that algebra test today?' she asked. I glanced her way again and wondered if she was okay with being a stranger. "'Well,' I said. "'When lunchtime came, I saw variables floating in my fruit cup.' Abby laughed. "'Oh, come on. It couldn't have been that bad. "'What about you? Piece of cake, right?' Well, yeah. Don't go back now. What about your Call of the Wild essay? Did you finish? More or less. I still have issues with that whole theme and symbols thing. I mean, the I mean, the writer was just telling a story. He didn't decide on a theme and throw in a bunch of symbols that no one but an English teacher was going to notice. Well, we all see things differently, I guess. Abby fiddled with the zipper of her ja- on her jacket. Zip down. Zip up. Hey, speaking of English, um, I was wondering if I could come and study with you and Rob tomorrow? I glanced over at her, but she was looking straight ahead. Yeah, sure. I mean, we never kick you out. Zip down. Of course, I know that. It's just, well, I haven't been doing too well in English lately, and my mom says I need to shape up, and and in history, or I can't do the photography class at the community center, and... Other things. I figured other things included going out with an eighth grader. I briefly considered what might happen if I said no. But it was Abby. Sure. I mean, Rob hasn't been the same since you stopped hanging with us anyway. Abby smiled. Well, it's nice to be needed. I'm sure the real problem is that you guys need some hobbies. You know, go find a girlfriend or something. I crunched through another pile of leaves. Harder this time. Yeah, well, maybe someday. I don't understand why you don't like girls, Quentin. I stopped walking. I looked at her. She looked back. It seemed like a long time before a car passed by and broke our gaze. I blinked and turned my head. Who said I didn't like girls? I just don't need a girlfriend. Not right now, at least. Ooh, gay boy? I'm just kidding. We all know what's going to happen. Or at least we all have an idea of what's going to happen. Ugh, I'm going to die by the end of this recording. (sighs) Abby's eyes looked past me as she what retreated into her own thoughts. Then she suddenly glanced up at the building behind her. Oh, look, the post office. I probably ought to get going anyway. See you tomorrow. Yeah tomorrow zip up and off she went i entered the post office but then immediately turned to look out the window as abby crossed the street her hands stuffed into her jacket pockets questions tumbled through my mind like a collection of bouncy balls in the clothes dryer did abby really just happen to bump into me on west oak or did she follow me there to talk with me and if she did want to talk with me was she re- really interested in still being friends or did she just want help with her homework and why the heck am I feeling so confused? I bought the stamps and kept the change, which was a lot less than Mick suggested it might be, and headed back. I would walked about a block when I noticed a silver Mustang driving toward me. It was sweet. One of those one of those with a low spoiler and chrome rims and black pinstriping on the sides. As it passed me, the wheel screeched in a tight U-turn, U-turn and it pulled up beside me, heading the wrong way on the empty street. I wasn't exactly sure what to do, so I kept right on walking. The Mustang kept pace with me. I glanced over and saw an absolutely gorgeous high school blonde in the driver's seat with another girl next to her. I'd seen the other girl before, maybe a friend of Marcus or his former girlfriend. They were both staring at me. "'You the heartbreak messenger?' the blonde girl asked. Visions of hired assassins and ex-girlfriends with a vendetta sprang to my mind. I considered bolting, but even if I ran for my life at top speed, I'd never be out of V8 with 315 horsepower. So I did the best thing. I turned my head suavely and said, Yeah. My voice only cracked a little. The girl stopped the car and put it in park. I kept walking. I've got a job for you, if you're interested. I knew he had girls! hire him at some point. I knew it! I think I said that in the first episode when I was like, huh, I have vague memories of this book. I knew it! I knew it! I was right! Ahem. Continuing. I hesitated for a moment before turning around. Somehow it had never occurred to me that I might have a female customer. I suppose that's just a little sexist, but hey, I'm a guy. No. That's it. End the episode. We're not... I'm not gonna end the episode because, like... Oh my god! He did not just... But hey, I'm a... No. I'm leaving. I'm not actually leaving, but oh my god! that. I don't even want to continue reading this. I want this to be the end. I want to actually no-joke finish this. I want that to be what you're left with. I... I need a moment. I need a hot second. God dang it, I can't even drink! Please not use alcohol as a solution to your problems. Especially if you're underage. I am underage. (laughs) So. Oh my god. Ugh. That was infuriating. That was infuriating. There have been, like, issues with this book. But, like, you don't need to outright say it like that, Alexander Vance. Oh my god. We're pausing this recording. I'll be back in a bit. And I'm back after my little break. Um, It's been like five minutes. <sighs> Have a dog with me now. He's a good boy. I think he was here a bit ago. It's Tutan, aka Titan, which is his actual name. Good boy. As far as I knew, it was the guys who did the breaking up. Well, at least that's what I thought. I approached the car, still worried that it might be some trick. Maybe she had Carmen and half of the girls' soccer team in the backseat, ready to spring out and jump me. They tie me with, with carnation stems and shoved ch- chocolates down my throat, while beating me over the head with the movie script of my life. Then I realized it would be hard to have anyone spring out of two-door pony car, So I took a few more steps. She looked me up and down, but didn't seem too impressed. Maybe she expected someone taller. I'm Lisa, she said. You got a pen? She spoke to me like she was ordering a hamburger or something. But wow, her eyes sparkled like polished headlights. I handed her the pen from my pocket. She grabbed a scrap of paper from the console and scribbled something on it. Then she shoved the pen and paper into my hands. That's the heart I want you to break. I want you to break it hard. I want to hear it crack all the way on the other side of town. Got it? The letters were kind of squished together. Duke Rippling, I read. The name seemed vaguely familiar. There was an address below the name. Is this your boyfriend? She looked at me like I was a three-year-old with a snotty nose. If he was my cousin, I wouldn't need to break up with him, huh? Okay, dumb question but I'd never seen lips as perfectly formed as hers. I cleared my throat. Professionalism, I reminded myself. Um, I mean, is this his home address? I need to know so I can, uh, come up with a plan of attack. She raised a skeptical eyebrow. What do you charge? She asked. Now I was in familiar ter- territory. Twenty-five. She pulled some money out of the driver's console and pushed it towards me. I glanced up... The street to see if any cars were coming, but well, fortunately it was West Oak. Of course, I started, but then thought better of it. What, you charge more to break up with a guy? No, no, it's just that, well, sometimes. Spit it out, Junior. Why do high schoolers always have cute little names for kids younger than them? Well, I usually offer to include flowers and chocolates, too. Well, to let them down gently. The girl stared at me for a moment and then laughed. Flowers and chocolates? Oh, Duke would love that. "'Wouldn't he?' "'She stared at me a little more. "'What do you charge for that?' "'She glanced at her friend and smirked. "'Tell you what, Junior. "'My little two-timer would enjoy those flowers and bonbons "'just a little too much, "'but you gotta find yourself a dead rat. "'Wrap it up in a box, nice and pretty, "'and give it to him as a gift from me. "'You do that, and I'll give you another twenty-five. "'A dead rat. "'Right.' "'I laughed, just a little.' She stared right at me without a flutter of her long, blonde eyelashes. I'm not joking, kid. I want a dead rat. Can you do that, or do I need to take my business elsewhere? Uh, no. No. Not a problem. The heartbreak messenger can handle anything you want. I didn't need her creating competition for me over a dead rodent. The rat idea was way too gross for my taste, but at least there wouldn't be any big expenses. Good. She shoved some more money into my hands. I need it done soon. By tomorrow. Then she pushed the gear shift and squealed into the other lane and down the street. I double counted the money and shoved it into my pocket, next to the chump change from mixed stamps. Fifty bucks, easy as pie. I looked around at the stores that lined the street. Now where, I wondered, do they sell dead rats? Chapter 19 You need to find out what? Rob looked at me as, though, as if I had suggested we run naked through the hallway. We were in P.E., shooting hoops on the asphalt courts. Rob and I had a backboard to ourselves. We weren't very good, so no one was dying to play with us. Yeah, I know, I know. It's pretty go- gross, but everybody has their own style. This is what she wants. Besides, she paid me for it. She paid you to give a dead rat to her boyfriend. Hey, don't knock it, man. My clients have been very satisfied so far. I shot and the ball flew at least a foot under the basket. Quentin, more follow through, shouted Coach Wong. He moved his hand through the air like his wrist was bro- broken. I'm sorry, he- What? You can't see me, but I'm limp-wristing? Ah! <laughs> oh, Titan, I'm sorry, I- I'm just laughing. It's okay. He got concerned when I hit the table. but It's okay. It's okay. All good. You're okay. I'm okay. We are good. You want a sit? Good boy. Good boy. I don't have treats to give you. I'm sorry. Oh, you're so cute. I love you. Oh my god. <laughs> He's a good buffer for any anger this book might bring. I waved and nodded, as if I knew what he was talking about. Rob ran after the ball and came back dribbling. That's just so cold, man. A dead rat. So, any idea where I can find one? I had spent the previous evening looking around our apartment complex, hoping to find some rat traps, or at least a mouse. All I came up with was a fistful of dryland in the laundry room. I didn't want to admit it to Rob, but I was stressing out just a little. The girl in the Mustang didn't strike me as the understanding type. Her $50 was on loan unless I could deliver a dead rat. And with the end of the month approaching, I needed that cash. Rob looked at me in mock surprise. The great heartbreak messenger needs help? And here I thought you had all the answers. He tossed high and made it. Lucky shot. Why on earth would I know where to find a dead rat? I mean, do you? He grabbed the rebound. "'I might have a few ideas.' "'Oh, yeah? "'Like what?' "'A few ideas I might be persuaded to share.' He let his words hang in the air. "'Oh, I saw how it was going to be.' I considered Rob's offer as he dropped, as he tossed the ball up and swished it again. Another lucky shot. He grabbed the rebound and bounced it to me. "'Fine, I'll give you five bucks if you help me find a dead rat,' I said. "'No way. I want to cut of the deal.' A cut of the deal? What did Rob think we were? Gangsters planning a bank job? Thanks, Rob. In that case, I can find my own dead rat. I shot and missed, but I let my hand flap around a little more, just in case Coach Wong Wong was looking. Rob did a move for the rebound. I turned and saw him staring at me, looking like I'd punched him in the gut. Come on, I said. It's a dead rat, not a rare diamond. I'm still going to be doing the hard part. Five bucks is more than fair, and I could use your help. Rob glanced around and finally shrugged. Well, all right, if you need the help. I smiled, cool. So what's your idea for finding a rat? Quentin, Rob, this isn't basket weaving. Grab that ball and start practicing. Our dead rat expedition started as soon as the bell rang at the end of our last class. Rob and I headed down to the school basement. It was a small basement, more like an underground storage closet for cleaning supplies and the scenery from last year's theater production. It was also where the school custodian, Mr. Montgomery, had his office. Mr. Montgomery didn't like kids much, and who would and who would if he spent the day cleaning up after them? He didn't usually surface until most of the kids had left the school grounds. Some people said that he even slept in a bed in his office and brushed his teeth in the student bathrooms at night. My eyes slowly adjusted to the dim light as we descended the basement stairs. There was shelf after shelf of cleaning supplies and an army of mops. In a corner I saw the hand-painted trees from The Wizard of Oz. Rob only hesitated a second before walking up to Mr. Montgomery's office door and giving it a quick knock. "'Who is it?' barked a voice. Rob looked at me. "'Uh, Rob McFarlane. Silence for just a moment. "'What, did you ralph in the hallway again?' Even in the dim light of the basement, I could tell Rob's cheeks were flushed pink." Wow, I said under my breath. He still remembers that. Abby did it first. Rob muttered, "That was true. The year before, poor Abby had the stomach flu and threw up at school. And you'll never see a crowd of kids scatter faster than when somebody pukes in the hall." While Abby went to the s- to see the nurse, the office lady sent Rob to get Mr. Montgomery. The janitor had grabbed a bucket of do- of sawdust and mumbled to himself as Rob led him to the ground zero. Then Mr. Montgomery, made Rob hold the bucket as he sprinkled the sawdust over Abby's regurgitate, regurgitated lunch. The sight of the sawdust limping softly on the mess didn't do much for Rob's stomach, and he puked on top of it all. That was something I didn't need to read today. Oh, Bozy. <laughs> Rob cleared his throat. We just have a question for you, mister Montgomery. There was another moment before the door swung open. Mr Montgomery stood stood there mister Montgomery stood there in his usual blue coveralls, his scruffy gay gay beard Oh my gosh. His scruffy grey beard scratching against the collar. Well, start asking. I got work to do. Um Rob stared at Mr. Montgomery. I was afraid he was having flashbacks of Sawdust Stone's vomit, and I didn't want to think of what that might do to his stomach, so I quickly stepped in. We're looking for rats, preferably dead ones. The school janitor stared at me like I just asked him for a dead rat. It's for a project. For biology class. "'I'm certainly not a chronic liar, but sometimes a harmless lie is so much easier than trying to explain the truth to someone who just does, who doesn't care to begin with.' "'Rats,' said Mr. Montgomery. "'Yeah,' said my fearless comrade, who had found his tongue again. "'We thought—well, it was my idea, but we thought you probably set traps for them. Have you caught any lately?' "'The school doesn't have a pest problem,' Mr. Montgomery said flatly. "'Oh, come on,' said Rob. "'Everybody knows what they do in the school cafeteria.' There's gotta be this school doesn't have a pest problem. Not even one little rat? I asked. mister Montgomery folded his arms. The school passes its semi annual inspection with a gold ra- with a gold rating. It does it don't have a pest problem. A movement on the floor made me look down. A big brown cockroach scurried past the janitor's foot. He followed my eyes and then immediately lifted his foot and slammed it down on the bug. It crunched beneath his foot, his boot. His arms were still folded. As I was saying, boys, I got work to do. We reluctantly turned and headed back up the stairs. As, and head back up the stairs. As we reached the top, I glanced behind me and noticed Mr. Montgomery hadn't moved. Once we were, ba- we were back in the bright fluorescent lights of the hallway, sorry, message. Rob looked at me and shrugged. Plan B? I nodded. Plan B. Chapter 20. For the birds was a bit of a ride from the junior high, but it was the only pet store in town. No! No! Oh, no! I feared it would come to this. No! Oh, I'm gonna cry. Oh, man. Please never in your life repeat the actions of this book. Oh my god. No, I'm gonna cry, actually. Oh my god. Titan! They're gonna... Do you know what they're gonna do? Why are you wagging your tail? This is sad! Titan! My dog is wagging his tail over this tragedy. Titan! How dare! Oh, buddy. It's okay. I'm not mad. It's okay. We pulled up onto the curb and left our bikes next to the entrance. As I moved to open the door, Rob glanced into an uncovered metal trash can set in the sidewalk. His hand shot out to pull me backward. Hey, take a look at this. He reached into the trash can and pulled out a box the size of a video game console. It was pink with a white illustrated ribbon wrapped around it. The words, a gift for you, were written in girly cursive across the lid. What do you think? Rob asked. I don't think it's your color. I said, still holding the pet shop door handle. No, I mean, it's just the right size, don't you think? Rob, you pulled it out of the trash. It smells like perfume and cheeseburgers. It was hard to miss the triumph in a smile. What are you going to do? Put the dead rat in your pocket? I hadn't thought that far ahead. Good point. Bring it along. A bell dinged once Once as we opened the door, a whole array of unusual smells were crammed up my my nose. Why did I say nose like that? Despite its name, Rob was sure the store had all sorts of animals. With the variety of odors that greeted us, I figured he was right. A young man behind the counter looked up from his magazine and pushed his glasses farther up his nose. Hello there! I nodded, looking at the animal cages as as I walked past. "'Lots of birds, lizards, hamsters, or gerbils, fish, small snake, small snakes, and a tarantula. "'What can I do for you guys?' the man behind, behind the counter asked eagerly. "'He glanced at Rob and decided I'd better do the talking this time. "'Do you carry rats?' "'Sure do.' "'The man walked over to the sidewall and lifted a small steel cage from one of the higher shelves. "'He brought it back and set it on the counter. "'These, my friends, are hooded fancy rats, still very young, but a good size.' "'I crouched down and peered in the cage. It held two rats, both of them taking tentative steps. "'Their noses twitched at the edge of the cage. "'Their bodies were white, and it looked as though the tops of their heads "'had been dipped in chocolate. "'Both males, both very healthy,' the man continued. "'Hmm, where do you go from there? "'This is kind of a weird question. "'But have you had any rats dying on you lately?' "'No. Have you? "'Is something going around?' He pulled the cage back a little bit, as if I was going to sneeze on it. No, no, it's just that, well, we're looking for a dead rat. Your rat died? No, I've never had a rat. Then whose dead rat are you looking for? No one's. We just happen to be looking for a dead rat. Well, I don't carry those. I keep all of my animals alive. What about about snakes? Rob chimed in. Big ones. Don't you keep dead animals around to feed big snakes? <clears throat> the, the man shook his head. Most big snakes will eat dead mice. He glanced nervously at the other cages on the wall. Frozen, dead mice. I don't carry any, but I can order some for you if you like. How long will they take to get here? I asked. About a week. I could feel Mustang Girl's deadline looming over my head. She wanted the job done today. I pictured the $50 in my drawer disappearing at the stroke of midnight. Rob suddenly snapped his fingers and pointed at the hooded fancy rat. Hey, how much would one of those cost? No. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was reading ahead because I got genuinely terrified. I would have like, I would have stopped. I would have actually stopped. I would have been like, no, I'm not supporting this book anymore done, peacing out, that's it. Like, that would have been the end. I would have been like, screw y'all, cliffhanger. Anyway. Um, $15. Why? Rob looked at me and opened his eyes wide. He nodded slightly toward the cage. I knew what he was thinking. $15. Even with the five bucks I was paying him, that was still leaving $30 profit. Not great, but the clock was ticking. But I also knew that a live rat wouldn't exactly carry the same message, and my client had been very specific. Which meant we would need to, well, bump off the rat. I leaned down and peered into the cage. One of the rats froze this time, staring at me. His whiskers twitched, sending a shudder through its soft furry body. His gleaming black eyes seemed to plead with me. Now, I've never been much of an animal person. That's what you get for growing up in an apartment, I guess. But I don't exactly go around kicking dogs, either. No worries, I silently told the hooded fancy rat. I stood up. Thanks for your help. Let's go, Rob. Rob held out his hands in exasperation. Quentin, Quentin, hold on. This is perfect. I headed for the door. Come on, Elmer, bud. Leave the furry little animals alone. If I didn't have the heart to take a pet rat hostage, then we needed to move on. Time was running out. Thank God! Oh, my God. I... Oh, buddy. Are you okay? Aw... Were you just as concerned for the rat as I was? Or do you just wanna go? You wanna leave? Wanna leave? A You're not giving me any good signals here, bud. You're just sitting there. Come on. Give me a sign if you wanna go. He's just sitting here and looking sad, and I don't know what he wants. But (laughs) Ugh. Chapter Twenty One. Technically, we were now on Plan C, but we didn't feel right calling it that. Plan C implied that we had more plans in the playbook, but this one was it. If it didn't work, I was sunk. Plan Hail Mary was more like it. We rode our bikes all the way out past the edge of town to a fenced-off piece of land bigger than a football stadium. The massive chain-link fence had a single wide gate in the front of the, in the front with a purple-lettered sign that read, "Jorge Scrapyard." We parked our bikes and walked through the open gate. We hadn't taken three steps inside when a massive black dog leaped out of nowhere, filling the air with resonating barks. I practically fell over myself trying to scramble out of biting range. Like I said, I'm not really an animal person. I just choked on something and I don't know what. The dog's dark eyes fixed on mine and a fresh shot of drool sprayed out of its snarling tan muzzle with each bark. I don't know what kind of dog it was, but it sure looked like a cross between mean and ugly. Ralph was halfway to his bike before I had a chance to blink, but as I scrambled, I noticed the dog was on a chain. I took a breath and slowly stood with my hands out to show I was unarmed and peace-loving. The dog settled down to a snarl, sniffed at a rock, and huffed at me. When it became clear that I was no longer on the menu, I stood up straight and looked around. Jorge's had a reputation in our corner of the state. When people needed to locate a hard-to-find piece of whatever, they came all the way out to the scrapyard. It was kind of like Disneyland for junk collectors. I'd only been here once before when Mom was trying to find an engine for a 1977 Camaro. The place was filled with dozens of crooked arrows of crooked rows piled with scrap. Most of it was metal. A lot of it was from cars. But overall, it was an impressive grab grab bag of junk. Given some time, I wouldn't have minded just wandering around to see what was there. Off to the left stood a dirty white building with a tin roof. An oversized rocking chair made of of rough wood took up most of the porch, and a round man with a thick mustache took up most of the rocking chair. I walked toward him, keeping one eye on the dog. "'This ain't a playground,' the man barked. "'Are you to pay in, customers?' "'We will be if we find what we need,' I said." I wasn't going to be pushed around like a kid when I was on official business with a schedule to keep. What are you looking for? Um, well, no, I want to see it. After plan A and plan B, I was just a little reluctant to mention what we were really doing. Okay, said the man, who I assumed was Jorge. Just be careful. He gestured to the dog behind me. Barbados eats shoplifters. And don't break anything. He laughed, and I got the feeling he made that joke a lot. I turned and gave Barbados plenty of room as I as I walked the other way. The dog snarled in my direction. I gave him even more room. Rob was still standing with one leg over his bike. The dog's tied up, Superman, I said. Let's go and grab the box. Rob hesitated, eyes on the dog, and then untied the the pink gift box from the back of his bike. We walked toward the nearest aisle of scraps which stretched on for 50 yards before turning and merging into the the next aisle. Just like a supermarket, I heard the dog following us, but didn't pay it much attention. After a while, though, I began to wonder just how long his chain was, so I turned to look. The chain stretched back about 20 feet, but the other end wasn't attached to anything. I fought back a surge of panic and focused on looking as innocent as possible. Barbados growled deep in his throat. Rob noticed me staring and glanced back. He snapped his head forward as his walk became stiff. Quentin, you said that crazy dog was chained up, he whispered, as though he didn't want the dog to know we were talking about him. Well, there's obviously a chain on him. I sounded a lot more confident than I felt. Just act normal. I'm pretty sure dogs can smell fear. Exactly. And junkyard dogs eat it for breakfast. Maybe this one's a vegetarian. Listen, Rob, it's not going to eat a customer. Just act cool, don't steal anything, and it won't bother us. I forced myself to walk more casually to prove my point. We moved on, stopping to look at the piles of junk now and then, but mostly casting sideways glances at the dog. It lost interest in us whenever we stopped, sniffing around the piles and looking for treasures of its own. Why are you sniffing my laundry, Titan? What's my laundry, you creep. What are you, an old man? Jeez, This guy. (laughs) You look so ashamed. You look like he got caught red-handed stealing from me. (laughs) This is so funny to me. You are hilarious, good man. (laughs) Come here, buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I give you pets. Get be pets because you're funny. <laughs> I love this guy! Um, it lost interest in us whenever we snop- stopped, sniffing around the piles and looking for treasures of its own. Whenever we started forward again, it perked up its ears and trailed behind us. browsing seemed to relax a bit when it was clear that the dog didn't intend to eat us anytime soon. And "'Watching the seconds takeaway away, quickly beat down any of my own canine phobias. "'So, genius,' I said, "'where do they keep the dead rats around here?' "'I hated to admit it, but Rob's ideas for dead rat hunting were pretty good, "'even though we hadn't struck carcass yet. "'He always had a knack for finding useless but interesting things. "'Like once in the fourth grade, Rob and I were walking behind the elementary school, "'back where the kitchen lets out. "'He saw something metal lying by the foundation of the building. "'It was a brass cylinder about the length of his finger.' with all sorts of intricate carvings on it. We didn't know what it was, but it sure looked cool. had a square hole in the top, and Rob put a chain through it and wore it around his neck like a pendant. Everybody always stopped him on the playground to look at it. Then one day, Vice Principal Vanden... Vandenberg saw it and pulled him aside. They talked quietly for a few minutes. Finally, Rob reluctantly pulled the chain over his head and placed the pendant into her hand. When she ro- walked off, I asked Rob what had happened. Apparently, Vice Principal Vandenberg wanted to know where Rob had gotten the toilet handle from the teacher's restroom. <laughs> and why he was wearing it around his neck. I just hoped Rob's weird talent for unearthing junk would work today. And soon. Rob scratched <laughs> I'm sorry, he was wearing the toilet handle, oh my gosh, (laughs) that's funny, right buddy, my dog agrees, it was funny, yeah, it was funny, funny, it was funny, yeah, it was funny, (laughs) buddy, you laugh over rat cruelty, but you don't laugh over a toilet handle around this guy's neck. That's so what is your sense of humor? <laughs> bye bye. What's your sense of humor? Oh my god, it's just the voice. It's just that my voice wasn't I pitched enough the think that was one time. Bye bye. Bye boys. Your tail was wagging a womanical, why isn't it wagging? Bye bye! This little guy, he's so funny. So goofy. (laughs) Aw. He looks so done with me. What did I do? (laughs) I just hoped Rob's weird talent for unearthing junk would work today and soon. Rob scratched his head and surveyed the heaps surrounding us. Well, you'd think in a place like this, you'd be seeing big... "'Big signs for rat hotels. "'Maybe that slobber machine back there scares them away. "'But if I were Jorge, and and if I had a rat problem, "'I'd probably be setting traps out every... "'Oh, no way!' "'He stopped and stared into the pile of scrap off to the side. "'I tried to figure out what he was so excited about, "'but it all looked like junk to me. "'You have... you have got to be kidding me!' "'He dove into the pile, "'climbing over a few toaster ovens and a lawnmower "'to pull up the corner of a road sign.' He bent low to get a good grip on it, and then yanked upward. The sign must have been at least four feet from one corner to the other, and painted a bright reflective orange. Solid black lettering in the middle of the diamonds spelled out DIP. Bar- Bar- Barbados growled again. The sign was still connected to the pole that once held it up, so Rob struggled a bit to pull it all out. The pole was slightly bent, probably from where a careless driver had brought an end to its boring existence. That's nice, Rob, but we're here to find rats. Are you kidding me? This is so much better than rats. This is, this is, Rob was at a loss for for words, which was at first, as far as I could remember. You really want a giant broken road sign that says dip? That presented more insult opportunities than I could ever count, so I just let it go. Oh, come on, man. This is a -a once-in-a-lifetime find. I'm so glad I came along today. How much do you think that guy will charge for it? If you're lucky, five bucks, since that's all the money you have right now. Rob tucked one side of the road sign under his arm and started dragging the pole behind him. It made a horrible rocks and a blunder sound as the twisted metal end dragged dragged against the gravel. Bard made seemed seem to like that. He barked at the metal tr- pole and tried to gnaw at it. He yipped and skittered in circles around us like a puppy. Apparently he thought Rob had found him a giant junkyard chew toy. Rob dragged that stupid sign for nearly an hour as we looked under dozens of pieces of junk from bro- for rat traps, or anything else that might indicate rodents. I told Rob to put the sign down, that we could come back for it later, but he was sure somebody else would, would take it the second he let go. Somehow I didn't think two dip sign collectors two dip sign collectors, would show up at the same scrapyard at the same time. The world would probably self-destruct or something. After an hour and a half, Rob, be- Rob begged to take yet another break to give his arms a rest. This thing is killing me, Quentin. I'm not going to have strength to do my chores when I get home. Not to mention my homework. You'll have to do it for me. Homework. Oh, man. What? Abby was going to come study with us today. Abby? Is she back from the dead? I ran into her yesterday. She said she needed our help. Ah, I'm touched. I wish I had my cell phone back. Hey, why don't we go see if Jorge has a phone and we can call her? I don't know. We'll be, th- we'll be late. If we didn't show, she would write us off. I just knew it. Any chance I had of jumpstarting our friendship again was being wrapped to shreds and tossed into the wind. She had Justin. Why did she need friends that she couldn't even count on to help her save her English grade? Maybe Rob was right. There might still be time, but not enough for studying and for making 50 bucks. Rob, I said desperately, the clock's ticking. It's going to be dark soon. I've got to find a dead rat... Bike it all the way back to town and go dump Duke Rippling before I can even start on my homework. I'm starting to feel a little stressed out here. Rob was staring at me as though I told him someone had already bought his dip sign. and was hauling it away at the, at that very moment. Did you say Duke Rippling? Yeah. Why? Duke Rippling is going out with Lisa Mon- Monahan? I don't know. I guess so. Some girl named Lisa with a sweet silver Mustang. Rob threw out his hands as if I was missing something. Duke Rippling, the king of the, bre- of the bench press. Duke Rippling, the first linebacker to ever be voted captain of the John P. Westmore High School football team. Duke Rippling, the guy that his teammates called Duke the Ripper. That Duke Rippling. My limited sports vocabulary was still processing the term linebacker. I was pretty sure they were the really big guys that went to all-you-can-eat buffets just before a game. I think we're going to be sick. I said, whimpered. Some Rob somehow looked more scared than I was. He was probably concerned about who was going to help him with his homework after I got my brains beat out of me with his dead rat. Don't worry, man, he finally said. Maybe he wants to break up just as, as much as she does. I had my hands on my knees, staring at the ground, trying to breathe slowly. Then why not give him a phone call instead of a dead rat? Rob thought a moment. Maybe his hobby is taxidermy? Rob must have noticed my doubled over hyperventilating form, so we tried to change the subject. Anyway, speaking of rats, let's get a move on. Hey, I know. Rob gently walked toward the dog and clapped. Good boy. Do you know how do you know how to find rats? Rats? Barbados was up on all forms. Rob's all fours. Rob scrunched up his face and made whiskers around his nose with his fingers. Rats? Barbados barked. Rob scurried around, crouched down low with finger whiskers on his rat face. Rats? Yeah? Find the rats. Go find the rats, boy. Go. Find the rats. Go. Barbados tore down the aisle of scrap, t- turning for a moment and barking for us to follow him. Rob looked at me and shrugged, then picked up his sign and started to run. I grabbed the other end so we could go faster. Bartabedos said went up to the end row, ran down... Ran two rows over and then down one, the chain whipping back and forth behind him. Halfway down, he came to a stop and barked like crazy, nose pointing to the scrap pile. We came up behind him and both stared at a metal garbage can lid flying flat, lying flat on the ground. The dog scraped at it with his paw. I looked at Rob. You think? Could be, he replied. Then he held up his hands and took a step back. But it's your rat. I looked around and found a golf putter. I carefully wiggled the putting end underneath the, the garbage lid. I hesitated, wondering what was under there. If it was a live rat, I would have to be quick. Cute little hoarded fancy rats were one thing, but a lean, mean, junkyard rat was something entirely different. With a single motion, I flipped the can lid over and then raised the putter, ready to strike whatever was under there. Half a breath later, I dropped the putter, hands flying to my nose and mouth. Ugh! "'Rob said. The stench was overwhelming. "'I took a few steps back before turning to look at what I had uncovered. "'I was stunned, amazed, absolutely speechless, and breathless "'at the tame and produced miracle lying on the ground. Barbados had led us straight to a dead rat. "'Really dead. Roadkill-type dead. "'Dead lying under heart hot-garbage-can lid all day dead. "'The future can't breathe because the smell will fry your brain dead.' "'and exactly the type of gift Mustang Girl probably had in mind. "'But that wasn't going to happen. Not chance. "'I wasn't about to touch the, that rat with a ten-foot pole, much less a three-foot putter. "'I wasn't going to strap that thing to the back of my bike, even in a box. I couldn't. "'It took several minutes and twenty feet of distance before I could breathe cle- clearly again. "'There's no way, Rob. I'd gag and puke before I could even get out the message. "'I don't know. That might be a good thing.' Duke would probably pass out, too, before he had a chance to kill you. I seriously considered that for a moment, but no, not a chance. There's got to be something else, something we haven't thought of. Hey, boy, another rat? Take us to another rat, boy. Barbados sat motionless. He looked at me under heavy dog eyebrows, seeming just a little annoyed. I groaned. Come on, Rob, think. What else can I do? Well, she said a dead rat, but really it's the meaning she cared about, right? Isn't there something else that says the same message as, hey, baby, our relationship means as much to me as this piece of roadkill. Hug, hug, kiss, kiss. (laughs) That is hilarious. I love that line. Did you agree that line, funny Ugh, you are so done with me, aren't you? Ugh, this guy. Man. We have, like, 80 more pages to go to. That wasn't food. That was stickers. But after this, I'm going to take another break, get food, and then come back. Um, again, Rob had a point. I was a messenger. It's what I did. If I substituted a dead route with something equal, it would still get the point across. It was the end message that mattered, right? The client might not even find out. Maybe. "'Okay, so what else can we use?' I asked. "'What can we find in the next fifteen minutes that's slightly more bearable than a decaying rat carcass?' Suddenly, there was another stench in the air. But this one was different. Gross, but more familiar. I glanced at Rob, Rob, who was looking at the dog, who was coming out of a squat. Rob grinned broadly. "'You're just full of answers today, aren't you, boy?' I took a tense breath, knowing that Rob, for too many times on the same day, was right. "'Oh, crap,' I said.' Um, that is where I take a break cause oh boy but it will feel like no time at all to you bye bye for now and I have returned we had mac and cheese like microwave mac and cheese so I just had some of that yeah me time it's been like 30 minutes but for you in this recording it's been only a couple of seconds Let's get back into the book with sorry. I I got bored so I flipped to the back. To chapter twenty-two I'm gonna hate this. <laughs> I'm telling you that now. Chapter twenty-two. Getting the dog poop scooped into the gift box was a little tricky, and Barbados growled at us a few times, but fortunately kept his distance. He seemed to sense how critical the situation was. I worried the guy at the front gate would want me to show him what was in the box. But Rob's dip sign came to the rescue. Since both Rob and the big guy were determined to get a good deal, they finally settled on $7.50. Rob asked me if I could give him the five I owed him, and then asked to borrow two fifty. He said he'd started on the bucket of walnuts and would have the money to pay me back soon. I was pretty anxious to get out of there. The scrap heaps were already casting long shadows, so I forked over the money. I strapped the gift box to the back of my bike. Rob laid the the signpost across his lap and cr- tried to keep balance as it jammed down on his pedals. And tried to balance it as he jammed down on his pedals. He kept one hand on the signpost and one hand on the handlebars and waved back and forth as he picked up speed toward the road. He looked like an old-time tightrope walker about to plummet, plummet to a broken neck. I shook my head and followed. It was slow going on the way back to town. Rob had a hard time balancing both his bike and the dip sign. Once, he tipped the balance of the sign and it dropped to the ground, scattering sparks across the asphalt. Once, he tipped his own balance and careened into a ditch. After the second car passed us with its horn blaring, I rode up with an earshot. Rob, let me take one end of the sign. I shouted. He came to a stop and shook his head. Go on without me, man. I'm slowing you down and you've got a thing to do. I didn't want to leave him there alone with his... Trapeze act. The time was short. All right, thanks. Should I swing by your place and tell Marcus to come pick you up? No, I'm- Oh, Marcus, that's right. He took the sign to the ground and dug into his jeans pocket. He gave me a note for you. <clears throat> Rob pulled out a crumpled piece of notebook paper and handed it to me. I grabbed it and shoved it into my shirt pocket. Whatever Marcus had lined up for me next would have to wait until this job was in the bag. Thanks, Rob. Don't get run over by a semi. Ha, you're more danger of that than I am. He didn't have to say the words. The feeling of dread was already wedged in my stomach like a fruitcake. I knew I was probably pedding, peddling for furiously toward my doom, but there was still the money to think about. No delivery, no money. No money, no apartment. The thought of our stuff sitting out on the curb spurred me on. I took, it took a while to get back to civilization. I stopped at the at the garage for a minute to let mom know what I was up to. Well, to let her know I was working on a project and, we, and we'll be back for dinner. If I was still conscious. I didn't get off my bike and I didn't let mom get too close since the client's dead rat substitute was starting to stink outside the box. Next, I rode over to the windy terrace neighborhood. I wandered up and down the narrow streets filled with mobile homes, looking for the address that Lisa had given me. I finally found it, a small rectangular house with a neat flower bed in front, a perfect place to lay my body to rest once Duke was through with me. As I unstrapped the gift box and left my bike on the front lawn, my hands were shaking. Professionalism, I told myself, just doing my job for 50 bucks. I took a deep breath, cleared my throat, and and knocked on the hollow wooden door with a a trembling fist. A woman's voice called out, Round back! I walked past the corner of the trailer... "'and found a back porch. "'A woman with scraggly, pepper-gray hair sat on the stairs. "'Lines hung under her eyes, and she looked a lot older than my mom. "'She wore a uniform, maybe from a hospital or a restaurant, "'and a glowing cigarette dangled from her fingers. "'The woman glanced up at me with tired eyes. "'You looking for my duke?' she asked. "'I nodded, fingering the stinky gift box nervously. "'The woman shoved her cigarettes into a flower pot full of sand and brown butts.' and then grabbed the stair railing and carefully hoisted herself up. She opened the back door. "'Duke, someone looking for you!' she called out in a husky voice. She gave me a last glance and then slipped into the house. The door opened a minute later, and a head with au- auburn hair poked out. Duke stepped onto the small wooden porch, an almost, an almost smile on his face. "'Hey, did you bring my new cleats?' His voice was deep and resonated like a bear's voice might, if it wore shoulder pads and was a senior in high school. I shook my head, a little tongue-tied. Duke was immense, at least six foot eight and, well, who knows, big, refrigerator big. The stainless steel Maytide kind with two doors that opened side by side. The pink gift box felt slippery in my sweaty hands. Duke nodded, as though showing me he understood Perfectly. Well, okay, but let's do it quick. I've got some math homework tonight that's killing me. Huh? Did he know I was coming? Had he known his girlfriend was going to dump him using a seventh grader? Was he almost smiling because he knew as a, knew as a consolation he would at least get to practice tearing someone apart, limb from limb? You know why I'm here? I croaked, readying myself for the first blow. Well, yeah, same reason the other kids come. I kind of doubted that. Um, Mr. Rippling. Call me Duke. He pulled a Sharpie from his pocket and reached toward me, gesturing to the gift box. I lanked it away, but his whole muscular body seemed to keep extending it until I couldn't pull it away any further. He took the box and looked at it for a moment. A gift, huh? A superstar autograph full and a nice touch. He pulled the cap off his pen with his teeth and signed the box lid with a flourish that seemed carefully practiced. That seemed carefully practiced. She shoved the pen box into my hands and capped his pen. You can tell her that'll be worth a ton when I'm named an NFL MVP. Anyway, see ya, champ. My target turned and headed back up the narrow stairs, pausing for a moment to glance at the soles of his shoes. Whoa, Duke. Um, uh, hold on a minute, please. The words tumbled out. I caught my breath, afraid that I might sound a little too chummy. His head swung back around on his telephone-pulled neck, and he looked at me. His almost smile was gone. I pushed through a lump in my throat and kept going. Uh, the autograph's really great, and... I mean, thanks a lot, but I'm here to talk with you about something. He didn't move, as motionless as a rock. Seriously. He eyed me the same way he might stare at the other linebacker, or whatever you call the dead duck on the other side of the line of scrimmage. I am about to die. I cleared my throat. I have a message for you. From Lisa. His hand fell to his side. The door slammed shut. He turned slowly, no longer looking at me like I was so- like I was just some little kid. You're him, aren't you? The bear-like resonance was gone. His voice was hollow. It was the same hopeless look goat girl had given me with just a little more violence behind it. You're the heartbreak messenger and Lisa sent you. Suddenly, his face flushed red, his jaw trembled, his fists clenched. An ugly cry came from his throat, something barbaric and animal. His eyes fell on the large ashtray flower pot sitting at the top of the stairs. He picked it up like a pebble and hefted it above his head. I stumbled backward as it crashed down a few feet in front of me on the cement driveway. Dirt and cigarette butts and shards of pottery- Poured across my shoes. Adrenaline pumped through my veins and I scrambled, ready to tear around the corner of the house and put some distance between us. I glanced at him once more expecting to see him lunging for my neck and just as my eyes met his, met his the anger drained from his face and he collapsed, like his muscles had given out. He crumpled onto the top steps, his arms on his knees and his forehead on his arms, and then, due crippling, a grizzly bear from the turf of manly men, cried like a baby, heaving sobs. A big, wet slough and big, wet, slobbery sniffs. His body shook as he cried. He didn't hold back. Maybe he couldn't. I'm sure the neighbors must have heard something, but he went on and on, like a storm. My job was finished. Message delivered. The result may have even surprised my client. She probably would have liked to hear about it. All I had to do was place the autographed gift box at its feet and say, Tough game, champ. Better luck next season. But I couldn't. Just like with Goat Girl, I simply couldn't walk away from someone that was, well... Blubbering. This was just a little different than Goat Girl, though. She was cute. She was a girl. A damsel in distress. A dam... I am so tired of this book. I am so tired of this book. Oh, my God. I... Continuing on. I took a few steps toward him and waited for a reaction. When none came, I walked carefully up to Duke and sat next to him on the stairs. The storm was tapering off now, more snotty sniffles and less sobs. I put the gift box on the stairs, off to the side, and waited. I didn't think the situation really called for a hug. Footballers were probably more into headbutting or something anyway. Finally, he lifted his head. His eyes were puffy and glistening. He wiped the tears from his cheeks. He took a few shaky breaths. He wiped his nose with a shirt collar. "'Sorry you had to see that, heartbreaker,' he finally said. "'I guess you're probably used to it by now.' I nodded vaguely. "'It's all right, man. You gotta let it out.' He sighed and then spoke some more, his voice still weak. I saw this coming, you know? I tried to stop her, to make her understand, but she just wouldn't listen. She thinks I'm two-timing her, but that ain't the case. It's something I had to do. I seem to remember Lisa saying something about that offense. If I don't get my math grades up, I can't play. Coach told me that. The principal's not giving any exceptions, so I'm working on it, you know? I find a tutor, a junior girl, a nice kid that's real smart. Of course I have to spend some time with her. How else am I going to get my grades up, man? But but it wasn't anything. She's a friend. She's helping me. That's it. End of story. Have you talked with Lisa about it? I asked. Duke looked up at the stars, which seemed especially bright. Lisa won't listen. She only sees what what she wants, not what's in here. He tapped his chest. In here, it's all about her. No one else. The neighborhood was silent, as if everyone was mourning in honor of Duke the Ripper. I looked over at the giant on the stairs next to me. He looked sincere. He looked like he was in pain. I wondered if his story was true, if he only d- if he really did only have feelings for Lisa, and if she just blew off a guy that was completely and totally devoted to her. I'm sorry, I said, and I was. Not sorry that I delivered the message. That was just the business after all, right? But I did feel sorry for him. That it all had to happen. It seemed like a little communication could have cleared things up. A different kind of communication. Duke wiped his eyes again. It's all good, dude. Thanks for listening. You're alright, messenger. He held out his fist. I tapped my fist down on his, and he did the same. And he did the same to mine. He looked up at the stars again, and then sniffed like he was smelling something and scrunched his eyebrows. Hey, kid. I think he must have dog pee on the bottom of your shoe. <sighs> Continuing... Chapter 23. When I left Duke's house later that evening, I was still carrying the gift box full of dog crown. I didn't have the heart to leave it with Duke. Instead, I tossed it into the neighborhood dumpster before hitting the road. There was one more stop I had to make, even though it was well past dinner time. A few blocks from my apartment, I parked my bike in the driveway of a one-story house with a tidy yard. I knocked on the door. I heard the scurry of feet and then a curtain was whisked aside behind a glass panel in the door. The round black eyes of Katie, Abby's little sister, peered out at me for a brief moment. "'Abby!' her muffled voice echoed. "'There's a boy here for you, the one that's not your boyfriend.' I glanced up, pretending a sudden interest in the current phase of the moon. The door opened a moment later. Abby peeked her head around the edge of the door. "'Yes?' she asked with thin lips. "'Hey, Abby. How's it going?' "'How's it going?' "'Oh, fine.' Just fine, despite the fact that I beat my head against a picnic table all afternoon trying to get through my English homework alone. Yeah, hey, we're really sorry about that. We got caught up in a project that took us all the way all the way out to Jorge's Scrapyard. I mentally braced myself with cross examination and headed my way. Mm hmm. A project? What kind of project? Somehow the question sounded like an accusation. Tread carefully, man. It was it was a research project mm-hmm a research project did you find what you needed yeah but it took us a while obviously Abby studied my eyes scrutinized them I felt like a blob of pe- a blob of gunk in a pe- in a petri dish you know she said the whole time I was sitting at that table alone I told myself that if you had stood me up to go off and break somebody's heart that I wouldn't that I wouldn't talk to you for a very very long time. At least till next President's Day. You weren't doing heartbreak messenger stuff, were you? Don't answer. Avoid the question. Abby, we went to the scrapyard, just me and Rob. There aren't many hearts out there that need breaking. Just rats and junkyard dogs, alright? She scrutinized me some more. Hey, I said, I'm here now, aren't I? I came straight to your house. I haven't even had dinner yet. <clears throat> Abby turned off her scrutinizing rays, although she seemed reluctant to do it. I know, which is why, if you and Rob are lucky, I may grace you with my presence later this week. I gave her a mock bow. We would be honored. I'm doing some stuff with Justin, and I have my photography class tomorrow, so hopefully I don't get get caught up in any projects. Good night, Mr. Chinetti. I saw her dimple flash just before she closed the door. As I turned away, I felt pretty lucky. It's not every night you face both a bear and a wildcat and come away without a scratch. Now that the day was over, I rode slowly to Mix, weaving my bike on and off the sidewalk under the streetlights. The experience with Duke, the experience with Duke Rippling, kept replaying in my mind. I tried to push it aside, but it nagged at me like a piece of popcorn stuck in my teeth. It had been a good job. Fifty bucks minus the five for Rob and the extra two fifty I loaned him that I'd probably never get back. I had come away without a black eye, with all my bones still intact, and with just a little cigarette ash dusting my shoe. And yet, for the first time since starting my brilliant entrepreneurial scheme, I felt something I'd worked hard to avoid. Guilt. I told myself a hundred times since leaving Duke's back porch that nothing was my fault. It wasn't my fault that Duke. It wasn't my fault Duke was failing math. It wasn't my fault Duke had chosen a cute junior girl as a math tutor instead of some pimply nerd from the trigonometry club. It wasn't my fault his girlfriend was being unreasonable and had chosen to cold-heartedly end their relationship through some kid who was quickly becoming a legend. Not my fault in the least. But there was the guilt, hanging around as if looking for a buddy, and I couldn't figure out why. I pulled up to the garage bays at Mix and popped the kickstand. Across the bay, I could see Mom scrubbing her hands with the orange pumice soap. It was her early night, and she was getting ready to leave. She didn't notice me. I hung back, just watching, thinking about how starved I was. Then, next to the stainless steel sink, she did see something that I'd only seen once, maybe twice before. And a few pieces of my mental puzzle click together. Mom never wastes any time talking about my dad. She doesn't wallow in self-pity and let any- Wait. She doesn't wallow in self-pity and let everyone know how much her life stinks. She never wishes things were different, at least not out loud. But as I watched, she wrenched the scratchy orange soap from her hands and dried them, the black crescent moon still under her fingernails. Then she pulled out two rings from her pocket. One was a silver ring I'd given her for Christmas. The other was a ring she'd had since high school. She slowly placed one of the rings onto the ring finger of her left hand and then held it out. She looked at it wistfully, as though it lay behind a glass case in a jewelry shop. It was just for a moment, then she moved the ring to the other hand and turned off the light by the sink. And I realized that's where the guilt came from, knowing that my dad, in his own way, was a heartbreaker too." Go ahead and cry, little girl. Nobody does. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter 24. We're almost there. We're getting there. We're on our way. The day after my visit to Duke's, I sat at the picnic table at the end of the poplar path next to Mix. Abby was at her weekly photography workshop with her mom. Rob had gotten attention for dozing off in Mr. Hogan's history class, and I was contemplating the best way to flee the country. Mexico's closer, I thought to myself, but I don't know Spanish. Why did I decide to take Durma- German this year instead of Spanish? Dumkhoff. I, I could do Canada, but that would be one heck of a bike ride. I stared down at the crumpled piece of notebook paper lying uh, on my open algebra textbook. The note Rob had given me after the scrapyard for the hundredth time after the scrapyard. For the hundredth time I reread the words written in Marcus's sloppy handwriting. Q Gunner is asking around for you. Watch her back. Gunner, the beast, leather jacket, switchblade, smile like a lion. He's figured it out. He knows it was me. "'Panic clawed at me from the inside. "'Why on Earth did I try to take on a high schooler like Gunner? "'What was I thinking?' "'I took a deep breath, then let it out. "'Then another breath. Don't jump to conclusions. "'Maybe he doesn't know. "'Maybe he just wants to ask if I've seen his black book. "'Maybe he found another girlfriend and wants to dump her already. "'He said he could be my best customer.' I tried to push away the idea of gutter hunting me down. I tore up the note and shoved the pieces into my pocket. I pulled out a pencil and stared at the numbers in my textbook. Pneumatic wrenches whirred inside the garage bays, and I tried not to let my mind morph the sound into the growl of a motorcycle. I forced myself to plunge into a sea of variables to think of something else. 3a plus 4b equals 17. A and B are are whole numbers. What do they equal? What? Now I want to solve this math problem. Um, how can I mark this page without doing a dog? Doc- did I just rip paper with my teeth? Yeah, I did. What you gonna do about it? Nothing. Eventually, my mind relaxed and I started to want and started to wander. Before I knew it, I was jotting down a different set of numbers. 25 for Melissa, 50 for Carmen, minus 15 for Flowers and Chocolates, 30 for Ty's girl. What was her name? Oh, Letitia. Thanks for her, I'd had nightmares for a week about my hand being stuck between the jaws of a sewer gator. I listed in total, thinking about the wad of cash pushed into an Argyle sock in my drawer, and about mom paying rent in a few days. I'd earned a little less than $200. Not bad for a part-time business owner trying to keep up with school and all, although I'd been hoping to pay at least half of the rent. Maybe there was still time. I tried to picture the look Mom would have on her face when I casually walked into the kitchen and plopped down a couple hundred bucks. I'd pull an orange juice from the fridge, take a swig, and say, That's for the rent. Just trying to do my part, you know. Hey, Quentin. What's up? My head snapped up and my body tensed. Justin Masterson came toward me through the parking lot. His slight but annoying swagger scuffing the cement. The air smelled like hair gel. I relaxed a little. At least it wasn't Gunner. I turn a page in my textbook, suddenly very interested in variables. I know where this is going, and I hate it. Um. Nothing. Abby's not here. Yeah, I know. I some class with her mom. Yeah, and actually, it's a photography workshop down at the community center she goes to every Wednesday from 3 to 5. I added silently. I scribbled an answer for number 10 on my homework. Justin sat down across the table from me. I glanced at him and then copied number 11 out of the book. Algebra, huh? He said. That stuff can be a killer. Trying to keep all those variables straight, figure out which one means what, and then you change one of them and suddenly everything else changes with it. It's not bad. I I shrugged. It's not bad. Justin let the silence hang there for a moment before speaking again. You know, there sure are a lot of people talking about you these days. My heart skipped a beat. I scribbled something, anything, on my scratch paper. I didn't look up. About me? You must have the wrong Quentin. Don't be so modest. Every rumor I hear floating down from the high school is about that heartbreak messenger. He's got quite the business going. Smart guy. I erased what I'd written and brushed the rubber dust away, biting my tongue. I certainly wasn't going to let him draw me out with flattery. I know it's you. I stopped writing. I knew it would work its way into the junior high eventually. I didn't exactly wear a mask and spandex when I did a job. All it would take is a former customer pointing at me as I walked past in the supermarket, saying to his junior high sister, Hey, that dude's the heartbreak messenger. And Rob knew, which meant all of of creation would find out before Thanksgiving. I just didn't think Abby would be the one to spill the beans, especially to polo shirt. I didn't hear from Abby, by the way, if she knows. The mention of her name made me look up. Of course she knows. I couldn't resist saying it. I couldn't resist saying it like only a best friend could. It took some serious investigation to find out your your secret identity. He looked at me expectantly. And what makes you so curious? He glanced off into the swaying poplars. I've got a job for you. Who? Your sister? I knew he had a sister in high school. He laughed, short and quick. No, he cleared his throat. Me. It took a moment for my algebra-drenched de- brain to catch up. You don't mean... Yeah. Abby. Something rushed through my body like a gust through tr- through the trees. I felt like pumping my fists back and forth and whooping. I felt like doing a crazy victory dance in the end zone. I felt like slapping Justin on the back and shouting, "Yes, yes, yes! You better believe I'll take that, jo- I'll take the job." And then I stopped and wondered why I felt that way. Justin started talking again before I found an answer. I know Abby's your friend and all, best friend actually, one of two. But I thought you might actually make it, e- that might actually make it easier to, you know, deliver the message. Justin didn't look up. Instead, he picked out a few bits of lint on his shirt. I nodded. Why don't you want to break up with her yourself? The question took me by surprise. I couldn't believe I'd said that to a customer ready to fork over money. Justin looked at me, the swagger showing in his eyes. He gestured to my books on the table. Algebra just seems like numbers and letters until you get into it. Then you realize that it's actually pretty complicated. Breaking up's not easy as it sounds either. When it's your own girlfriend, I mean, I'm sure you'll understand someday but if you're not comfortable doing it, I can probably find someone else. Em just flashed through my mind. Goat girl weeping like a broken pipe, Letitia angry and hurt, Duke the Ripper blubbering, Abby crying painful tears, and then me, her best friend waiting with open arms, me comforting her in a time of need, me telling her what a jerkwad that ex-boyfriend is and how she's totally better off without him, me with my old friend back. <sighs> I wish I could scream. I wish I could scream without fear of judgment. And without fear of hurting your ears. I... I am so tired of this book. I am so tired of this book. Um... We continue on we continue on I'll do it I said I was just curious that's all I'll never turn down a paying customer that needs a hand especially this customer he asked the price I told him he had heard about the flowers and the chocolates I put him down for both he wanted it done as soon as possible I said I'd take care of it then Justin thanked me, turned, and sauntered away like a guy without a care in the world. Thoughts sprang into my head, one on top of another. Abby would be around to laugh with again. We could start doing our homework together every day, just like old times. We could go look for shooting stars whenever we wanted. She and Justin together never made sense anyway. She would be so much happier without him. I closed my algebra book and folded my arms. She'll probably take it hard at first, perhaps a few tears, a few curses to the gods of love. Then she'll be ready for comfort, a firm shoulder to cry on, strong arms to hold her, showing your friends right by her side. There was one minor thought, however, that I kept pushing to the back of the line. Abby was about to get dumped by by her boyfriend, and her best friend was going to deliver the message. And there was that guilt again. There is nothing... I can say it all. Mm. <sighs> I'm so tired. Oh please tell me the mic then pick that up. <sighs> I need a moment. <laughs> 25. That evening, I stared at the phone for over an hour, alone in our apartment. I knew I had to do it. Pick it up, dial the number, set things in motion. It had to be done. I needed a fixed time, an appointment. Abby might come by for homework the next day, but then she might not. I could wait until class, but there was always the possibility that I might not get to talk with her. (coughs) Or I might get the chance, but then chicken out, turning yellow in the few seconds it took to walk up to her and say i picked up the handset i put it down this will be good for her justin's a big-headed know-it-all she deserves better i'm doing this for her i picked it up then put it down sigh and for 50 bucks i picked it up and dialed her number it rang it rang again i thought the urge to jam my finger into the red off button hello an adult voice answered hi is abby there "'Sure, Quentin. Hold on. I counted seconds to calm my nerves. "'One Mississippi. Two Mississippi. Three Miss—' "'Hey, Quentin. What's up?' "'Okay. That was a much friendlier greeting than I'd expected after standing her up the other night.' "'I swallowed over the lump in my throat. "'Hey, Abby. How are you?' "'Fine. Playing Monopoly with Katie. Getting my trash kicked.' "'Cool. Um, hey. Can you come by mix tomorrow after school?' There's some things I want to run by you. Some things I want to run by you? Was I nuts? Couldn't I at least prepare her for the nuclear bomb I was going to drop? Pause. She finally said, I was planning to come by for homework anyway. Okay, cool. Assuming you guys are actually going to be there this time instead of running off ruining people's lives. I bit my tongue and managed to say, Don't worry, we'll be there. What kind of things did you want to run by me? Tears, heartache, freedom. Just things I'll tell you tomorrow. See you then. Um, okay. See you. I hung up before she even finished her goodbye. Abby was in place. But there was still Rob. If he showed up, who knew how the delivery might turn out? Next day of school, I told him there were things I needed to take care of that afternoon. What kind of things, he asked. Just some things. His face darkened. Oh, Heartbreak messenger things, huh? I hesitated. Rob didn't like Justin much either, but I knew the whole thing would be easier if I handled it myself. Oh come on, Rob, don't be a baby. Me? You're the one who'd rather spend time with sobbing females than your best friend. I rolled my eyes and pulled out a five-dollar bill from my pocket. Go over to Holy Joe's after school and buy a box. I'll meet you at your house when I'm done with business. Rob glared at me for a moment longer, recognizing my bribe for what it was. Then he snatched the money from my hand. Thanks, but you'd better not take too long. One of your doughnuts will die a horrible death each hour until you arrive. Fair enough. Holy Doe's was across town, and well worth the trip which would keep Rob busy most of the afternoon. I made my rounds as soon as school let out. I bought the standard box of chocolates, mostly because I knew Abby didn't really eat a lot of chocolate, so no use wasting money on the good stuff. As I tucked the box under my arm, I wondered if Justin knew she didn't eat much chocolate. Probably not. For the flowers, I bought the regular white carnations. A lady at Pretty Bouquets tried to talk me into getting some nicer flowers, roses or something, but I went, but I didn't want Justin to get more credit than he deserved. And then it was time. She wasn't at the picnic table when I got to mix, but I could see someone in the poplar trees. On the wooden bridge that spanned across the stream, I recognized Abby's blonde hair falling down past her shoulders. I took a deep breath and started toward the poplar path, holding the flowers and chocolates behind my back. I spent the rest of the previous evening trying to figure out a good one-liner that I could open with that might soften the blow. I'd even looked through my mom's chicken soup for the soul books, hoping to find a winner, but came up empty. I was going to have to wing it. Abby heard me coming. She gave me a slow, absent-minded glance and then turned back around to stare at the stream. Hey, Quentin. Maybe the sun had blinded her, or maybe she was just lost in thought. Either way, she didn't seem to notice anything out of the ordinary. I came up beside her, still keeping the goods out of sight. Somehow I felt like I was about to commit a felony. "'What you up to?' I asked, just thinking. "'About what?' "'Justin.' "'Oh!' My voice cracked a little. She glanced at me again, and I turned my body toward her to keep things out of sight. "'Lately I've been so worried about him—about us,' she said. "'He's being upset at the stupidest things, and I was sure it was my fault, you know? But today he was totally different, so happy. We had the best conversation at lunch.' Oh? What did you talk about? For a moment I wondered if Justin had if Justin had laid a few hints for her about what was hidden behind my back. Abby laughed. His pet turtle. He got a ball for his turtle to play with, but whenever Justin drops the ball into its cage, the turtle just pulls inside its shell. I told him he needed to get a pet dog instead. Their last conversation together and they talked about pet turtles. Justin was even more of a wimp than I thought. "'Anyway,' Abby said, "'hopefully he's gotten over whatever's been bothering him and things will be back to normal. "'I didn't say anything. I couldn't. "'It was the perfect chance to jump in with, well, actually, Justin's definition of normal is a little different than yours. "'Or at the very least, I could have shaken my head sadly, but I just stood there, wide-eyed and tongue-tied. "'She must have sensed something because she glanced at me and then did a double-take.' What's the matter, Quentin? She suddenly noticed the way I was standing. She craned her back to see what was behind my. She craned her neck to see what was behind my back. There was ha- a half smile on her lips, like she expected me to yell surprise. What's going on? I opened my mouth like a wooden puppet, but no sound came out. The words were wedged deep in my throat and refused to budge. They had come from Melissa, and- they had come from Melissa and Carmen and Goat Girl and Duke the Ripper, but the one person that I really cared about, the one person I knew so well. I just couldn't say them to her. I didn't have to. They were written on my face with black permanent with black permanent marker. Abby's half-smile faded. She took a step away from me. I let my hands fall to my sides, exposing, exposing the dreaded tokens of the heartbreak messenger. Oh, no, she whispered. She looked into my eyes, pleading so hard that it hurt and I had to glance away. He wouldn't do that to me. I'm sorry, I croaked out the words. He wouldn't do that to me she whispered again, and then, as, I th- as though she'd just thought of something, her expression seemed to crumple with mo- even more pain. Or maybe that was just my imagination. But the words she spoke were real. You wouldn't do that to me. Her eyes glistened with reluctant tears. One escaped and tore a wet line down her face. Abby, I, my boyfriend paid my best friend to break up with me. Now whose shoulder am I supposed to cry on? For a minute, she looked like she was going to hit me or try to toss me over the bridge, but she didn't. She turned, more tears blazing trails down her cheeks, and ran up the poplar path. Abby, wait! I hurried after her. There was so much to say, so much to explain, so much comfort I was supposed to be giving. I sprinted through the trees. I sprinted through the trees. Abby stopped abruptly and whirled around. You stay away from me, Quentin. I don't need you anymore. The word slapped my face, and then backhanded it again. Just to be sure, I watched her run away, disappearing into the trees. I couldn't breathe. I'd only run for a few seconds, but it felt like someone was was sitting on my chest. The trees spun around me. I stumbled back toward the bridge. I don't know how dirt feels, but if it feels the way I did at that moment, I don't know how it lives with itself. One thing I do know is this. In the end, the messenger's heart got broken, just like everyone else's. Is it bad to say that he sort of deserved it? Like, a little? Maybe a lot? Shoot. I need to check my... Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is, it? Where is it? I have a podcast binder, and it tells me the, the time limit I have for these episodes. And I think it's like a little over two hours. So I will either have to stop in like in like in like in like twenty five, five minutes. Ha 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 I am way over time. Shit! At this point, I don't care that I'm swearing. I hope you know that. No? Maybe I'm fine, because I've done... There has been an accidental two-hour episode before. I think think I'm good. I think I'm good. I... Um... Ugh, I'm panicking now. I will cut it here, and then very quickly after, there will be a part two, just to be safe. So, bye-bye for now. There will quite literally be, like, double upload.